Good morning, Reach. Welcome to Reach at Home, uh, our online services that we've been providing during this time of the stay-at-home order, uh, which we are thankful that soon it will be coming to a close. You'll probably see uh, our official announcement before you actually are watching this. Um, but we're just grateful um, for this season and what God has been doing in and through um, Reach Community Church, even as we do church a lot differently than we've done it over the last seven and a half years. So we're grateful that you're here with us this morning. We're continuing along. We're in week three of Unstuck. Hopefully this series has been good for you. Uh, it is uh, challenging to me because there's areas in my life that I'm constantly having to be uh, leery of and aware of that I can potentially get stuck like everyone else. Uh, this next area that we're going to talk about today, um, it, it's, it's one that we all deal with. There, I don't know of anyone um, that doesn't deal with or think of um, this topic almost every single day, probably more like all the time, every moment of most of your day and most of your life. And today we're going to be talking about getting unstuck with our money. Uh, my one thing is more blank, you fill in the blank, will not give you what you desire. The lie of our world is that there's something that if we have more of it, we're going to be happy, we're going to be satisfied. And the problem is, is that puts us in this ever-spinning wheel of being stuck in this rat race and rat chase of more. And the truth is, unless, and some of you are out there be like, well, my blank is filled with Jesus. Uh, unless your uh, blank, the more blank, um, is filled with Jesus, yes, um, that is the issue, that we won't be there. And so here's the question for you today. Are you stuck in your financial life? How's it going? Has the lie of more been your reason for getting stuck? That if I can just get this one thing, and I'm telling you, our world, it has gotten easier and easier and easier for us to get more one click away. I know you've heard me talk about it more often than not, that I'm a, a fond fan of Amazon Prime. I love seeing boxes show up in my house and opening them. I got one in the mail yesterday of a book, which is awesome. Like there was a book that I wanted to read and within uh, two days it arrives at my house. The problem is that we can use that like a dopamine hit. We can literally be hitting this. That could be our drug, this shopping. Oh, if I, oh man, I can't wait to get this or that. And you see commercials. And, and, and we understand that there is literally organizations and companies that are spill, spending billions and trillions of dollars to convince you that if you had more, you would be happy. You would be satisfied. Life would be better. See, the honest truth with me and Jody is that we spent years <laughs> managing our money really poorly. Thankfully, we, we had some, some, some areas that we wouldn't cross over into, some debt that we wouldn't acquire, so we, we kept fairly out of it. But it was this ongoing, never-ending, never having enough because we literally spent every single penny 
thinking, oh, if we had this one more thing, or we need to have this because those people out there have that, and we need to do this next thing. And the truth of it is, it took us probably 10 or 12 years of married life to finally get on board with having a budget. Finally get on board, not with just having a budget, because a lot of you, just to be completely honest, let me look directly in your eyes, through your TV, a lot of you have budgets. You just don't use them, right? Right? I mean, we did the same thing. We created budget after budget, spent hours creating this budget that finally was going to get us out of this hole, finally free us from this, and it literally was just a piece of paper that sat in our house. We didn't live by it. We didn't do anything with it. We practiced the art of making a budget, but not the art of living out the budget. And so here's the tension that's going on with the topic that we're going to talk about today, is that money and possessions are not neutral, at least the way they're not neutral for us. They're things that have this, um, this ability to just pull out of us and make us do things that we don't want to do. Make us work hour after hour so that we can get out of this thing that we're creating ourselves. And so before we begin, I want to pray that God would break the lie of more over our lives. That He would take the blinders off of our eyes and allow us to see, which we're going to see in the text today, that we're not free of these things until we choose to put the right yoke on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are eternally grateful that you have given us the ability to open our eyes, that you've given us the ability to understand your words. And Lord, I pray that today that your words would do in us what we are incapable of doing for ourselves, that it would bring us to the realization that without trusting you, without turning our, uh, our view and vision to you and to your kingdom, that we will chase things that don't matter. We will chase things that at the end of our life, they will bring no joy, they'll bring no peace, and they'll literally be passed on to someone else. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us use this life that you've given us, this gift that you've given us to serve your kingdom, to serve your purpose, so that we can experience your peace and your joy. And so we just pray that you would open our eyes, that you would help us break the lie that more will bring us what we want. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've said this the last two weeks, and I just want to continue this because I think it fits really well with this idea of getting unstuck, is that we can't get unstuck if we don't have the right yoke on. And if you don't know what I'm talking about at all, uh, that came out of a Matthew 11 two weeks ago. You can go back and watch the first sermon in this series and get an idea of what this means. But really, Jesus just said, hey, take my yoke Remove your other one. My yoke is light. My burden is easy. And, and follow me. Learn from me because he is tender of heart. And that's what he's saying. And the reality is, is that we cannot get unstuck in our finances. Just like last week, we couldn't get unstuck in our relationships without making sure that we're putting on the right yoke. 
And so this morning, we're going to talk about this idea, not only that money has potential dangers for us, but money was something that Jesus talked about a lot. You may not know this, uh, but money's a big deal. Uh, not necessarily the need for it and all these other things, but money's influence on our life is a big deal. The Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' biggest sermon, longest sermon, 25% of it dealt with money or money-related things. The parables that he used, the, the teachings that he used over and over again in his teaching, he would reference money, which we're going to talk about several of those today. But it is something that he knew that we were going to have issues with, and we still do. And if we're not careful, it will rule our life. There's a, uh, I was reading a book here recently, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his last name, so uh, I'm not going to... Well, I'll, I'll just say it, and I apologize if you ever see this. But there's a French sociologist, John um, Ball Dillard... Um, he's made the point about the Western, Western world that materialism has become the new dominant system of meaning. He argues that atheism hasn't replaced cultural Christianity, but shopping has. We now get our meaning in, <laughs> uh, in life from what we consume. And a lot of what we think about ourselves is what we have, what, is, what symbols on the back of our phone, what, what symbols on our car, what our clothes look like, what are the brand of our shoes. And that literally becomes this thing that drains the life of us. And I think a lot of Christians are, are, are being ruled by their purchases they're being ruled by this constant pursuit of something that will not give them what they desire so here's another question for you do you have enough it's a weird question right well do you do you have enough have you ever got to that place where you feel like man i just have enough Enough is always up ahead it's very rarely here with us it's always a little bit later it's what we chase after, what we look for and long for. The oil tycoon John Rockefeller um, said this. Somebody asked him, um, when, when asked how much is enough money, he would say just a little bit more. But that's the reality. There, there's some of us that really think that your life would be perfect. It would be fixed it would be uh, you would be you would be there if you had x amount of money above what you have right now but the truth is that's not the case even the wealthiest of wealthy when asked how much is enough money and he had more money than we can even fathom or imagine all of us it was just a little bit more I mean, think about yourself. I mean, I'm 44 years old. Um, I, I make more money than I did in my 20s. In my 20s, I, I probably think if I made what I made now, that everything would be all right. And the truth is, is life is expensive because we make it that way. Um, children are expensive, if you didn't know that. Uh, they are. Uh, and the older they get, the more expensive, in my opinion, they get. But our life can be wrapped around this pursuit of. So Jesus spends a lot of time talking about it. 
uh, it's, they spend a lot of time talking about it in the Old Testament too. Look at this one. In Proverbs 22, 7, it says, The borrower is slave to the lender. If you owe money to anyone right now, which most of us do owe money to people, you're a slave to that person, meaning that you have to work hours Make money so that you can give them their money back. That's just the way it is. And if you are a slave, then you are stuck. <laughs> Here's a, um, in Matthew 6, uh, it, it, Matthew 6, 19 through 24, there's this, this little um, block of text. It's called lay up treasures in heaven. In verse 19, it says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is Jesus. He's saying, hey, don't, don't do this. He's not saying don't have anything, but don't lay up treasures. And we're going to get back to this point of treasure in just a second. It says, will, and I'm saying here, will your treasure on earth make you happy? And the question, if you haven't figured this out, no. Uh, at least not for very long, because there'll be a new model, there'll be a new thing, there'll be a, an upgrade, there'll be something that makes what you were happy with in that moment not satisfied anymore. <clears throat> what you is okay. So here's another thing to think about. If 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 your treasure is not making you happy now, what makes you think that it will later? And this is kind of that pursuit of the more later. In verse 21, it says, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be." Look at this. Let me read this again. Let, let this just sink in. Just sit there for just a second. For where your treasure is, where is your treasure? There your heart will also be. Where, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so it's a big deal how we view the things that we go after. And what he's saying is don't treasure up these things that moth and rust are going to destroy, that at some point, that thing that you treasure, at some point, it's going to be in the dump or someone, someone else is going to have it. It's most likely not going to be in your presence forever. Look at this in verse 22. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? This is what I'm talking about. If we're going to get unstuck, we've got to change the way we view the things that we're after. We have to change our perspective on what matters because our eye is the lamp of our body. So literally, what do we do with our eyes? It tells us where we go because we look like, hey, there's a door over there. You might not know that. But if I turn my eyes to that door, I have a high likelihood of getting to that door. It's the same thing with our life. If we're going to put our time, effort, and attention, our eyes on it, we have to tell our eyes what we can 
uh, look towards to give us life. Because like there are things that are shiny and glittering all around us that are, that are begging for our attention. Because if they get our eyes, if they get our attention, they can get our heart. Verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think a lot of us, including me, have looked at this this phrase right here. You cannot serve God and money. And and, and we replace cannot with should not. Like it's a strong suggestion. Like you you shouldn't do that. You you shouldn't, um, you you know, you shouldn't serve God and money. You you, you shouldn't do that. You, You should have one or the other. And the problem is, is the word there is cannot, that you cannot. If you're going to serve one, you cannot serve the other. If you're going to go after the one, you cannot go after the other. We have to change the way we think. Because if that is true, which it is, because in the Word, we can't serve both. We can pretend in our pursuit of money that we are serving money so that we can serve God. But the truth is, Whichever one has our heart, our attention, it, or God, will have our life. And some of you right now are sitting in your house, and and this is something that has just overwhelmed you. You're thinking, I don't even know what to do, Heath. Truth. I I don't know how to get out of this. We've got a great testimony that... It's going to be in just a few minutes a part of this, and I interviewed uh, or or, or filmed a couple that talked about their journey. And I just want to tell you that you can change the way you view your money. You can change the way you live your life. Look at this one, Psalms 39, verse 6. It says, Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up his wealth and does not know who will gather. We, we, we literally do that. We spend half of our life chasing, fighting for this, this little portion of our life, this little chunk of our treasure, heaping it up, not knowing who's going to gather it at some point because this is not our home. If we read the Word of God, the truth is the kingdom is the place that we should be longing for. This isn't our place. That's why he's saying don't store up for yourself. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Let me tell you one more of his parables. This one's in Luke 12. And then I'm going to share a testimony and give you some practical application. So Luke 12, starting in verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And he said to him, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, because this brother wanted what his other brother had. And Jesus said, Take care and be on guard against all covenant covetousness, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Those were Jesus' words. 
your life does not (laughs) consist of the abundance of your possessions. That may be your identity and that may be what you want other people to think of you, but that's not what your life is. And he told them a parable saying, this is what Jesus does, he tells them a, a story to relate a truth. Says the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, Ooh, he didn't say that, ooh, I added. <laughs> and he said, I will do this I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, this goes back to just like in the Psalms 39. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Because he did all this work, and at the end of that work, he thought, I can finally rest, I can finally have peace, I can finally enjoy life. And his life was over. And all the preparations that he did aren't for him to enjoy. Verse 21, and he brings this, this parable back to meaning to those that would listen. He said, so it is, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Do not be anxious. And he said, To his disciples, therefore I will tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Let your focus be about his kingdom. Our biggest issue in my mind is that we've spent our life building our kingdom and ignoring his And the problem is some of us came into his kingdom, came into his leadership. Jesus surrendered to Jesus with this massive amount of debts that we cannot live a life of generosity. We cannot live, or at least we think we cannot, because we're trapped in it. And I just want to tell you that if you want to be generous, if you want to live in this place that you have the freedom to see your treasure, your real treasure, which is the kingdom, advance, your treasure the kingdom, move forward, and others reached for Jesus, we have to prepare our self. And so right now, um, I'm going to put in, you're going to see a testimony of John and Caroline, and it's a great testimony, I mean, to be praised what they have done over the last three years. So enjoy. So I'm John McMahon. And I'm Caroline McMahon. And we were stuck. Um, Before I tell you how we got unstuck, let me give you a brief, uh, real quick story about how we got stuck. Um, So, long story short, we moved to Wilmington about 18 years ago. And 
Well, we found the job market to be much more challenging than what we had anticipated. And so, unfortunately, we got into the habit of spending more money than we were making. Um, and so, fast forward um, really about 15 years, we um, looked back and we had realized we had a ton of debt and we had no idea what we spent any of the money on. Um, during those 15 years, uh, we had tried everything. Uh, we tried the old uh, zero balance, you know, zero interest uh, credit card transfer, the home equity uh, debt consolidation loan, and none of it worked. None of it, all it all it did was it enabled our um, debt to go even higher. Um, and so we kind of got to the point where we were we knew we had to do something. Um, and we started talking about we knew about um, we had heard about Dave Ramsey. We knew his reputation, but we didn't know the specifics. And so we decided that we were going to go through uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and we talked about it, and we talked about it, but didn't actually pull the trigger. Um, and then uh, in the spring of that year, I think around April, we um, our HVAC system failed in our house. And now, mind you, our house is the original one from when the house was built 20 years ago, so it was 20 years old. We had a few service calls in the previous year, so it wasn't exactly a surprise, and yet we had no savings, we had no plan for uh, replacing it. And so they offered us interest-free financing for a couple of years, and so we signed on the dotted line to get our HVAC system repaired before uh, before the summer heat. Uh, and uh, But that was the last straw. That was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say. And so, um, you know, looking back on those 15 years, the whole the whole experience, you know, Heath has been talking about this idea of a yoke, and we didn't think about it at the time, but really debt is a yoke, and it's a very, very heavy yoke. Yeah, we were in a prison of our own making, even though as we were creating the debt, we felt like it was unavoidable, we were stuck, completely stuck, could not get out um, until we, we felt like something had to change, we had no choice but to change something. Um, and so part of our motivation in getting unstuck was we wanted freedom. We wanted freedom to be able to do fun things with our family, like vacations with our kids. We couldn't do that. I mean, debt was ruling all the decisions in our lives. Um, I mean, I couldn't do anything. I felt like I felt completely <laughs> trapped, completely trapped. Um, and it's an awful feeling. Yeah. And for me, you know, I, I had two primary motivations. One I'll be honest, it's a little bit selfish, um, <laughs> and one not too much. One, the, the selfish one is that I wanted to be able to retire, you know, um, and I, I had the, the benefit of watching my dad. My dad retired in his mid-50s, and he lives not far from here, and so he's been spending the last 20 years playing golf, going on this sailboat, and I'm like, man, I want that life. <laughs> um, but we were looking back and, and having so much debt, retirement was a far off dream. It was never something that was, was really possible. So that was one of the reasons that was important for me to, to be able to get a handle on this because I wanted to be able to retire one day. Um, the other piece for me though is that, you know, God has really put in my heart um, a desire to be uh, generous and nothing can sap your, you know, can steal away that um, ability to be generous more than debt. You know, when, when someone's in need and you see that need and your, your choice is to either pay your bill uh, or be generous or put the um, bill on a credit card and still be generous. And so um, definitely being able to get out of debt so that we can be generous uh, is was something that was important to me as well. 
Yeah, it was horrible to to know someone was in need and to say to John, I really want to give something, but we had nothing that we could give. Yeah. Um, that's an awful place to be, yeah. and I never want to be there again. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the, the secret, I guess? Uh, you know, so as I mentioned, um, we uh, it was three years ago now, three years ago this month, actually, that we started uh, our Financial Peace University class. Um, and so the first part of that, not officially one of his uh, baby steps, as he calls it, but one of the first uh, parts of that is to create a budget. Um, you know, and before this, I thought I was doing everything right because we had, I, I was using um, the Quicken software and I would download my transactions from our bank accounts almost every day. Um, but I realized going through Financial Peace University was that it's, it was like um, driving a car while looking in the rearview mirror. I was watching where all the money was going. Uh, after the fact, but had no say where it was going before the fact. So creating a budget was really just about um, deciding, being deliberate about where you were going to spend your money before you actually spent it. Um, and so once we made our budget, we then had to cut our budget <laughs> because obviously the intent, and the intent was to be able to devote as much of our income as possible to paying off this uh, this debt load. And so we cut everything we cut, we cut out cable tv really hard for me <laughs> <laughs> we uh we never ate out um, nope. uh, I, I think we can count on one hand the times that we ate out as a family our kids are dying to go to red robin that is their favorite yep. we can never go there <laughs> so hopefully soon <laughs> yeah and so you know the idea again is to put as much of our income towards towards our debt and so we made we made a lot of sacrifices. We cut a lot of things, and I hate the word essential these days, but <laughs> we had just a bare bones essential uh, budget of what we were going to be spending our money on. Um, and then once we had a budget, the next step was to save up $1,000 just as a kind of emer- a real basic emergency fund. Um, and uh, go ahead. Tell it, it. it just feels impossible, yeah. you know, when you're looking at that. How do you save that much when you don't have enough? Right. But uh, we did. We scraped it together, and the first month we had our emergency fund, uh, we had to spend $800 of it to <laughs> fix my car. And I remember we both looked at each other kind of feeling defeated for a minute, like, oh, we just saved this. Yep. Um, but then, you know, we looked at each other and said, but we have it. We have the cash to pay for my car to be fixed, and that's the first time in yep. maybe 15 years that we had it. Yep. So there's definitely a feeling of peace that comes with having it. Um, and then the next month we had to build back up that savings. And I think the next time we finally had that savings together, something else happened. I can't remember what it was, but we just kept building it back up and then we'd use it, but we had the money at that point. So there was definitely some peace in that. Yeah. And the point of it, the point of the emergency fund is really just so that when something like that comes up, that we're not reaching for that credit card again so that we're, we can avoid, you know, break the habit of just building up new debt and replacing old debt with new debt. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, so we, we saved up our emergency fund and we really then, um, the next step is to really get going, paying off the debt. And so we tried to hit that hard. It was really slow going at first, um, but we again had to make some, some sacrifices. Big sacrifices. Um, I, uh, I had, at the time, I had a paid off, it was paid off at a beautiful Toyota Tundra, limited trim, four-wheel drive, and I'm driving around in this beautiful truck and that I, I knew I could, I could sell for $20,000, over $20,000. And I'm looking at the debt, and I'm like, it took me maybe two or three months. But eventually, I put, I put it up on, uh, on AutoTrader, and I ended up selling it for $21,000. I bought another car for $11,000 and was able to pay $10,000 towards, uh, towards our debt that month. Um, and then I drove that other car for that I paid $11,000 for for about a year and a half, 
and we're still paying off debt. So I looked at that car and I said, wait a minute, I can, I can sell this car for almost what I paid for it. So I sold it for 10000 and bought a car for 3000 and then um, and put the 7000 towards uh, towards our debt. So Which I appreciate so much. That was a huge sacrifice that he made for our family. Like Because cars matter to him. They don't matter to me, but they matter to him. Yeah. And so those were huge sacrifices, and it's something that I know our kids and I really appreciate. Yeah. And she made sacrifices as well. She put in extra hours at her job so that she could get some uh, some extra pay, give us a little extra money to be able to throw towards uh, towards that debt. Um, and then I think the one other uh, other piece that I'll, I'll touch on, and I have to preface this by saying Heath did not ask us to talk about this, um, but I just want to be clear that you know I do think um, from a perspective as a Christian that uh, that tithing and supporting the church is important, and I want to be clear that at no point was Stopping tithing part of the get out of debt plan. You know, um, tithing, the Bible talks about, you know, giving your first fruits. And so it didn't feel right to be able to, to kind of pull that money away from God so that we could pay off the debt that we had created. It didn't feel right to, stay, to steal from God to, to uh, fix our fix problems that we had created. Um, but fast forward now, uh, three years since we started this uh, financial peace journey, um, we celebrated uh, just a few days ago. Paying off our last debt. Um, we haven't talked about saying the number, but I'll tell you guys, it was over eighty-six thousand dollars in debt that we paid off in three years. Um, and so, thankfully, and uh, you know, we are now um, we're now unstuck, and we now we're not there yet. We still have you know a, a full emergency fund to uh, to create and build up, uh, and then. Um, you know, hopefully being, uh, the house is next to pay off that, that house, but, uh, you know, and then being generous along the way is, is really the goal. Yeah. So grateful to, to have gone through this journey together and grateful that we are now unstuck. Man, what, was that not awesome? I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, three years, how in the world did they do that? And they did it with hard work and sacrifice. But they, like you just heard, have allowed themselves to get unstuck by the work of their hand, by trusting God to change their view of what money was before. And let me just tell you, here's a couple of things that I I want us to understand. One thing that you heard them say. And Dave Ramsey says this a lot. You've got to give your dollars a name. You've got to name every dollar that comes into your house. You've got to tell that dollar what it's going to do. And, and to do that, you have to have a budget. And I'm ta- not talking about like the budget that I mentioned before that's just a piece of paper that you have in your house, but I'm talking about a budget that you choose to live by. And I know some of you heard that for three years, John and Caroline chose, because they wanted to change their life, they chose not to go out to eat. They chose um, to not to get rid of the cars that they really like. They chose to do these things, drastic things, to give themselves freedom. And for us to do the same thing, we're going to have to get on a budget. And I, I know right now our, our small groups aren't going on, but we can help connect you with people like John and Caroline that can help you, talk you through getting a budget in order. Um, you can go through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, which we've offered and will offer again here at REACH. But the problem is that you can go through those things, that you can hear about those things, but if you don't choose to make the sacrifice and decide 
Nothing will change. And here's some idea, here, here's some just things that you should think about. For couples, you've got to be on the same page. Because there's usually, I can tell you, there's probably one of you that's like, yes, budget, 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 and you've got the other one that's like, no, 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 I'm not. You've got to get on the same page. I think one of the most fruitful things in my life with my wife is that we weren't on the same page for a long time. And until we got on the same page, and we still to this day do our budget once a month where we look for the, you know, what's going to be the next month, and we sit down at the same table and we go through every penny that was spent and we talk about what's coming up, and we, we're on the same page. You, you've got to be... You've got to have communication when it comes to the budget. And if you're single, you're like, oh, I wish I had someone. Uh, I encourage you to find somebody that you trust that can help hold you accountable to a budget. Because let me just tell you, if you're single right now, this is the season that you free yourself from debt. Because you can limit the things that you do. You, you can free yourself so that when later on that you get married or choose to have a family, you're not carrying all of that debt over. You can choose to knock that out. But you need to have someone else. It's helpful to have someone else to help coach you through that. So application, you're, you're going to have to change the way you view me, money. You're going to have to get on a budget. And budget is not a curse word. You have things that are ruining your life because you're not on a budget right now. And a budget could change your life if you live it correctly. This is one other thing that I heard John and Caroline say that I just want to um, say for it was the same for us. I mean, it, I love to be generous. I, I, my, my dad, if he's watching this, he used to say this statement all the time, you got to be a giver. you got to be a giver. And I believe the kingdom is about us as his children being givers to his kingdom and to others. And to be completely honest, our life before a budget, we had no margin to be generous. We had the desire, but not the ability. And without having a budget, without determining, I want to be this in this place that I can be generous, it's going to take work. It's the same thing. Last week we talked about relationships. You're not going to have a good relationship if you don't work at it. You're not going to, re, um, you're not going to change the way you think about money unless you rethink about the way you view Jesus. Put on his yoke and look at his words and realize that these things aren't going to satisfy me. And be in this place. I mean, I, I imagine a church of people that are that are concerned about the kingdom. And I, let me hear this. I, I truly believe that we as believers should should tithe into the kingdom. That if we believe that our future is in the kingdom, that we should tithe to see that kingdom come. To tithe to see that kingdom grow. And could you imagine a church that wasn't just, and I'm not talking about every penny of it coming here, but I'm talking about like, could you imagine if our church was filled with people that were unstuck in their finances? 
and they had a heart for generosity, could you imagine what we could do in our community with people like that? And, and that's why I want you to be free. I want you to be free, one, because it takes away stress and, and all this other stuff in your life, but it helps you be what God's called you to be, a giver. And so what I want to do right now is I want to, I want to help. I want, I want to pray that God would enable you to, to allow the conviction, not condemnation, the conviction to move forward out of this. And if Reach Community Church can help you, let us know. Info at reachcommunitychurch.com. Send us an email. We would love to kind of help give you resources, help you hook you up with a coach. But I understand that if we don't get it right before God, we're going to miss it. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we need you to change the way we view our money and our budget. And Lord, I pray that you would help us understand what it means to be generous in your kingdom, free to see your kingdom come. And so, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to walk in a conviction that moves us to action, to, live, to eliminate this slavery that we have to the debt that we've acquired, but we've got to change the way we think about money. So help us this morning walk in freedom so that we could see not only us and our family, but our community and our church changed by our generous living. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, we are grateful again to have you with us this morning. Uh, like I said before, uh, if you need us, we are here. We look forward to gathering again soon. Uh, and if you need us, uh, make sure to follow us on social media. It's a great way to stay tuned to what's coming next. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can like, follow, and subscribe. Uh, and we are here for you. We look forward to the day real soon uh, that we'll be gathered again. And we'll see you next time.